You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hi everyone and welcome to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com. My name is Steve Malia from Ontario Telescope and Accessories. Uh, so today we have a very special guest. Uh, it is the creator of SharpCap, a very popular software I know you, you all know about. Um, and his name is Robin, and he's agreed to sit down with us and talk about some of the features, um, the history of SharpCap, and some things uh, that just need to be talked about in the astrophotography world. Yeah, I, I'm super excited about this. And Robin, thank you very much for taking uh, time out of your day. For those of you who don't know, we record uh, pretty early in the morning. And Robin being in the UK, there's a time zone difference. So we're we're cutting into the middle of the day for him. So Robin, thank you very much uh, for for your time and uh, talking to us today about SharpCap. Very popular piece of software. I use it. I really enjoy it. I know a lot of, a lot of my customers use it as well. It is part of uh, a bundle with uh, some of the cameras that I sell, and uh, we can talk about that a bit. But uh, again, thank you. So welcome. Thanks very much, guys. It's great to be here talking to you today. Thanks. So, you know, SharpCap's been around for a while. You're in version 3. 3.1 is in beta. Right now is 3.1 finally released. I don't it's still in beta at the moment, okay. um, maybe by the end of the year. Okay. And, and how long has SharpCap actually been around? Like, um, Give us a bit of history on SharpCap and, and why you came up with it. What was the motivation to create SharpCap? Sure. So back in the end of 2009, beginning of 2010, I, I had my first real telescope, uh, something I'd never been able to afford when I was, was interested in astronomy as a child. But, but being a bit more grown up now, I was able to afford that. Um, and I'd also taken apart a couple of webcams and put them in in place of the eyepiece. And I was trying to do a little bit of astronomy uh, imaging, um, taking some pictures of Jupiter, I should imagine, maybe the moon as well. And I had a really rough time of it with the software that was available at the time. Um, I'd spent a couple of evenings outside trying to image and with a piece of software called AMCAP. And I'd done all sorts of horrible things like taken what I thought was a good video and then pressed record again and forgotten that you had to change the file name in the software before you pressed record again so oh, I'd, no. I'd written over my previous video um and then if you wanted to change any of the settings on the camera you had to press a button and up came the this window that let you change them and you couldn't do anything else while that was showing and and to be honest it was it was trying to use that piece of software in the dark on a laptop probably wearing gloves uh because it was cold was was a disaster um and i write software for a living we, we so could, I thought I could do better than that. We could probably have a competition of what's considered cold, eh, Trevor? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> in, the, in the relative cold. Okay. Yeah, so so I thought I could do better than that, and that's where SharpCap started. Um, and it really just started out as being a program that I thought I could use to, to be a little bit better at uh, doing astrophotography than the other programs out there, and I shared it online because it was – I thought it was better than anything else available at the time, and people started to use it, and it all started to grow from there. And you've been you've been uh, recognized as a bit of a go-to software by uh, several companies. Um, uh, I see their logos on on your software, so uh, and you you natively support cameras as well. So um, the Altair line yeah. of cameras, ZWO, QHY. If you plug any of those cameras in. 
you're you're picking up on those cameras right away and using their native features without having to rely on any third party type of driver. Yeah, and that was a big surprise to me when that started happening. I, I'd written the SharpCap software and I made it work with webcams. And and in my imagination, that was all that was going to happen. And then I started having manufacturers of cameras and distributors start to approach me and say, could you make your software support our cameras? Um, ZWO and QHY were some of the early ones. Um, a distributor of Bala cameras approached me just because they wanted to sell these cameras for astrophotography and they needed software support uh, because otherwise they weren't going to sell. And sure. suddenly I had on my hands the opportunity to, to add support for these cameras into the software and, and SharpCap suddenly changed beyond all recognition. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's an amazing story. Um, and great recognition too. And it is a fantastic piece of software. I, I enjoy using it. Um, I find uh, some, some of the features in it to, to help my, my imaging night out. Um, not that I'm a, an imager that's any good, but uh, getting set up at least get, gets me there. Um, uh, one of the features I really, really like is the polar alignment routine. That is a fantastic feature. Um, my mount doesn't have a polar scope, um, so this helps me out a lot to get my polar alignment uh, bang on. And it it's rather unique to to SharpCap. Um, how how has that changed how people have used SharpCap? And, and... I think that. Yeah, oh, I think that's become a very popular feature in the software. Um, although it's a little, it's a little um, too far to say it's unique to SharpCap because it's actually an idea that's been done before. Um, okay. So a friend of mine at my local astronomical society called Themos, he wrote a piece of software that uses the same idea, um, and it used plate solving in the form of something like Astro Tortilla, and gave you an idea of how far uh, misaligned you were. Um, didn't quite have the sort of live adjustments in that SharpCap had, and it was it was so good to use from a usability point of view, but you had to be a bit techy to get all the things installed and make it work. Um, and you know that alignment routine works really well in my mind because of because of a number of things. Because you can make adjustments to both axes at the same time, um, because it guides you in, uh, and you you see the changes you're making and you can just make that last little tweak and watch the results. Um, and also because it doesn't rely on go-tos, which I've seen several pieces of software that use go-tos for polar alignment and never had great results from them. So, um, so walk, walk us through, somebody ha has SharpCap on their, uh, on their laptop and they want to polar align and they have a, um, uh, you know, a short focal length, like 210 millimeter, 220 millimeter um, focal length um, guide scope with a camera in it. Well, obviously, be, be, have a camera if it, if it was a guide scope. Um, and it's like 50 or 60 millimeters uh, aperture. That's everything that they need. They don't need to buy any any extra cameras. They don't need to buy any um, uh, do anything else other than have their regular guide scope on their on their setup. And then they just walk through the routine. It's all step by step as well. But there's some conditions that need to be met in order for it to work properly. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, so as you say, it's brilliant because it uses equipment that most people already have. In fact, some people who, who image with short focal length refractors, you know, maybe three, four, five hundred millimeter and use a bigger 
uh, a bigger sensor camera actually polar align on their main scope. Um, so it, it's equipment you have. You don't have to go out and buy anything. Really, all you need to be doing to begin with is to be pointing within about five degrees of the pole. Um, so the way the polar alignment works is that SharpCap has a, a database of the stars out to about five degrees from the North Celestial Pole. And it looks at the image you take through the telescope and can plate solve that against that uh, database. So it works out exactly the point you're looking at. If you're outside, if you're further away than five degrees from the pole, then I'm afraid SharpCap's going to have no idea uh, of where you're looking at because it won't recognize the pattern of stars. Um, the only other requirement and is to make sure you've got a good enough field of view for your camera. So if you've got a very tight field of view because you're using a longer focal length, there won't be enough stars that SharpCap knows for it to be able to do the job. Okay. And is there... Um... What about like exposure times? I guess it's something you have to play with in order for to determine well with your camera setup to get the appropriate number of stars in the field of view. Yeah, absolutely. SharpCap would like to have, 15 stars is a pretty good number and usually works. Uh, what I recommend typically is to turn the gain on your camera up very close to maximum okay. and set a two second exposure as an initial starting point. And if that works, that's great work with it if you're still not getting enough stars then try a bit more exposure okay and, and then just follow the steps as as they're shown on on sharp cap to to the, the third step where you start actually moving your axes up down left right to get the um to bring the star to, into alignment with the crosshairs that are shown on on this on the laptop screen and then after, that's right. After, and you don't have to get exact. You have to be close. Yeah, that's right. right. I mean, some people get carried away because SharpCap can sometimes say you're you're now within a minute of arc and then 30 seconds of arc and then 15 seconds of arc of being perfectly aligned. People get carried away and try and get it down to zero. And in fact, you don't need to go much less than one or two minutes of arc um, for most purposes, even for astrophotography purposes. Uh, so you don't want to get too set into getting that number down to zero. Just get it pretty close uh, and get on with your imaging. Okay, and, and then lock everything down. You're good to go and and start taking your uh, your your images. Um, now there there's also some other features that that I like <clears throat> that I use. Uh, I use SharpCap to focus. Uh, you, you have a few focusing options. Um, you support motorized focusers. Yeah, I certainly do. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because a lot of these features that I've added to SharpCap, like the focusing and the polar alignment, I add because because they're the things I find hard when I'm imaging. Okay. Um, and I'm guessing other people find them hard too, and they like them. So that's really great. Uh, motorized focusers, uh, as long as they have an ASCOM driver, are definitely supported. Um, and what that means is is when you choose one of the focusing tools in SharpCap, that you'll then see a graph start to to grow at the bottom of the screen. Mm -hmm. Basically, SharpCap's measuring how good the focus is on every single frame that comes in from the camera. So if you're looking at a star field, you tell it you want it to measure the, the widths of the stars. Uh, the FWHM is how it's referred to usually. Okay. And in that case, the low numbers are usually good. And as you move the focuser along, it'll start to draw a little graph uh, that it shows you you know which focuser values get which fwhm scores and you're looking for the lowest possible value of that that you can get 
you can do that all manually if you want. You can just press buttons on the focus control software or the focus handset and let SharpCap just plot the graph. Or you can go a bit more automated and tell SharpCap to basically start moving the focuser in set sized steps. And every time it takes a step, it will, will pause for a bit and measure some frames to see how good they are and then take another step. Um, and once it's done that, if it finds that best position of focus somewhere in the range it scanned through, you can then tell SharpCap just to go back to that position and your focus should be dead on. And that's it. You're good. You're good to image at that point. Yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, um, that's something that I've, I've struggled with in the past with focusing and, and being able to see those values on, on the screen, find the lowest one and and go. Uh, I've always got razor sharp images, and then I like to just to uh, double check it just for my own sanity with a Batnoff mask. Put it on, make sure everything's good uh, with a Batnoff mask, and um, that just is my sanity check. Uh, <laughs> and it's always worked. It's always been good whenever I whenever I've done that. So I'm um, I don't know why I don't trust it anymore, but um, uh, it that, that's all, that's been a, a great feature. The uh, uh, one thing I, I've I've seen too in the focus routine is I, I use a single star, um, uh, the FWHM method. The, there's a multiple star option as well. Yes, yeah, so that what, just what, finds, what is that? That finds um, up to a hundred stars that the on that uh, image okay. and measures the width of all of the stars and then takes an average value from that. And I think that overall that's probably more robust than using a single star. Um, because if you get some weird effects near a particular star, then that's that uh, change to the data is made very much smaller by the fact you're averaging 100 stars. Okay. All right. So, so you're focusing across the entire field instead of just one particular point. Yeah. And, and I guess depending on, on scene conditions, that can have a dramatic effect too. If, uh, like I said, if there's something funny going around that star, there might be some wispy cloud that you might not be aware of that can affect. Or a little nebulosity nearby or something like that. Yeah. That's just not quite giving you a clean reading from a single star. Very cool. Um, you know, one, one thing that, uh, that's been a bit of controversy, uh, Trevor, you were mentioning it uh, um, when we were off the air, was um, the uh, exposure time. And Robin, you you had emailed me about this as well, uh, and you know people being stuck on a five minute, ten, twenty minute exposure um, when that's not really necessary. So this is this is something that's that's got to work itself out as people become used to the new generation of cameras that are now appearing on the market. Um, five years ago, something like that, everybody was using CCD cameras. Mm -hmm. um, and every time you take an image off of any imaging camera, uh, there's a certain amount of noise added when you, you read that image off of the camera, and that's called the read noise. And it turns out that CCD cameras have quite a large read noise. Um, and in order for that not to ruin your images when you stack them up, you have to take long exposures uh, to make sure that that read noise doesn't come into the, come into the final stacked image and cause problems there. Uh, the world's moved on a lot since, and, and while people are still using those uh, CCD cameras very successfully and producing some absolutely fabulous astrophotos with them, uh, there's a new generation of cameras on the block now that are CMOS-based, 
um the the 183 chip based cameras um there's lots of sony different sony sensors out there of different sizes these have much much lower read noise than the ccd cameras that people are used to uh, and because they have lower read noise, you, you don't need to use such long exposures. Uh, but people are kind of still stuck in this idea of long exposures. They go online. They see people who've taken wonderful astrophotos who are talking about how they've got their guiding sorted and they can take 15 minute subs. And they think they have to, to do exactly the same with their, their brand new CMOS based camera, not realizing that they don't need to do that anymore. Um, and this is something that I'm building into SharpCat 3.1, a sort of all the mathematics that lets you work out the right way of choosing your exposure. And you don't have to do that mathematics because SharpCat will do it for you. And having knowing about you, the, the sensor in your camera, it will then say, given your sky conditions tonight, you need to take a, an exposure that's at least 34 seconds. Wow. Or that's at least 60 seconds. Or, you know, if you're going to narrowband, it will probably be longer. Wow. That, and that's, that's all built, going to be built into the software. That, 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 that's amazing. That, that kind of brings back memories when I was a kid and I used to have a remote control for a TV that had a wire on it. <laughs> and, 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 and now my boys complain that there's there's nothing to watch and there's like 500 channels to pick from, and I had 30. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great news for astrophotographers, especially ones in the city shooting through light pollution like me, where it doesn't take long for that exposure to get overexposed. Um, and then not to mention the fact that it's it's so much easier to capture, say, 130-second frames than it is to get 10 three-minute or or 10-minute frames. Or it's just it makes it so much more obtainable to get uh, good data when you're able to shoot shorter exposures. Yeah, and I guess that opens up a lot of possibilities for for people as well, just getting into it, where they don't need to worry about their guiding to be exact or even be using guiding. If you can do uh, 60 second exposures, 30 second exposures, um, on a, uh, on a mount, on a, on a good mount without a guider and still get a quality image out of it. Lot, lots of subs it's... that you can stack up that, that adds a lot of flexibility to people. Um, and takes some of the intimidation factor out of it, I think. Exactly. Cause the, the new mounts are getting better and we have all these tools like, uh, the polar alignment routine and sharp cap for a better polar alignment. Um, the, uh, the idea of, of getting um, a crisp 60-second shot without auto-guiding is completely possible. Yeah. That, that, well, that, could, that's amazing. Or you could go even further and you can say some of these things are now achievable on Altaz mounts that were unthinkable five or six years ago. Wow. Oh, I, ne I never even thought of that. That's a good point. So if people, right. if people can use the, the equipment that they have, they don't have to go out and buy all new hardware just to take images they can you know if somebody say for example has an ioptron cube mount good little mount put a little 80 millimeter scope on it and uh you can do your 30 to 45 second images with it that 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 opens up a world of possibilities for people i think it certainly means that the camera is all somebody needs to invest in um and it just makes a great introduction to astrophotography without as you say without the fear and without yes. the enormous strain on your wallet straight away. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That, that's fantastic. So the, these, are, these are a lot of fantastic features that are, that are built into the software. Um, and I'm struggling to, to, 
think of what else he can do. What what else could we could we possibly see in Sharp Cap in the future? Do you think, Robin? So, if you think about Sharp Cap as it is at the moment, Sharp Cap behaves quite like a a video camera. So, whenever you select a, a camera in Sharp Cap, it immediately starts taking images. Uh, it shows them on the fr on the screen, um, and then at some point you press the the record button, and that's like pressing the record button on a an old-fashioned video camera. It starts saving those those images to file, and then you press stop, and it's still showing images on the screen. And that that's great, and that's a reflection of where SharpCap came from, for like uh, webcam capturing and and planetary imaging. Uh, but it doesn't always quite fit properly with, with newer types of camera, especially when people are trying to use them for deep sky imaging. So so the next version of SharpCap, somewhere out in the middle of next year, um, I'm thinking in terms of making it so that SharpCap has a still imaging mode as well as a video imaging mode, so that when you connect the camera, it will basically wait until you press a, a shoot button or a take image button before it takes a picture and and then it will show that picture until you tell it to take another image so it's more much more like a still camera um and to go along with that there'll be a a way to sequence actions in sh inside sharp cap so that you'll be able to say uh take 20 15 second exposures then turn the filter wheel to the red filter and take 20 more 15 second exposures then turn it to green and basically build up a, a sequence of tasks for SharpCap to carry out uh, while you hopefully go back indoors and, and have a cup of coffee and, and wait for your image to, to finally arrive. That's really cool, Robin. That's uh, Those are features I really look forward to uh, because I did come from uh, a more photography single image frame software background like Backyard EOS and APT. So it's very cool to hear that uh, SharpCap will, will have more of that kind of a feel for, for people that are used to that. So I uh, I have to do the uh, the sales thing now. Uh oh. <laughs> um, you offer two versions of, of SharpCap, right, Robin? There's there's a the version that people can download, and then you have a pro version. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So in fact, it's it's all the same install. You just download SharpCap and run it. Okay. But there's some of the, the the more advanced features you can't use them without the pro license. Or actually, you can use them. You can try them out as much as you like. But you, while you're using them without a license, you can't save any files. So, you know, then if you like those, you you pay for the pro license uh, and you unlock the really cool features. And and, and it, we're not talking hundreds of dollars, right? Uh, no, we're not even talking tens of dollars. We're talking <laughs> ten pounds a year. £10. So, you know, it's not much more than a couple of cups of coffee and a couple of cakes for a whole year's worth of SharpCap Pro. Yeah, so ten pounds worked out Canadian. It's like 17 bucks yeah i'd say that's worth it i, I absolutely <laughs> yeah that, that's uh um a few coffees and and uh or uh, if we do it canadian wise it's what three beers four beers at a bar oh, in the world of astrophotography <laughs> what's 17 dollars right yeah that's, exactly <laughs> that's not even the price of a single cable no um that that um i think that that's value for the money but um if you buy uh, an Altair camera, you get the SharpCap Pro license for for six months or a year, um, depending on on which camera you, you buy, and that's good till the end of the year. Uh, and 
that gives you the pro version as well so you get all those all those features so if you're buying the if you're buying the camera you get the software with it uh, and SharpTap will recognize the camera as soon as you plug it in and determine that which license you're entitled to is that that's still that, that goes yeah, on to the end of the year right Robin um the 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 one year offer carries on oh it does uh, okay yeah the one year offer will carry on past the end of the year um the the six month offer is on is on older cameras I, I to be honest i don't think any of the older cameras are likely to be sold anymore i think they're cameras that were already sold earlier this year yeah uh last year and if people are still using those cameras well i'm sure they still are they can still claim a six month offer that offer does uh does run out at the end of the year so claim before then if you if you've got an older altair camera okay awesome excellent this is this has been great um i've i've learned a lot and and the the software continues to impress me it's one of the the tools that i have in in my kit um when I when I do set up, um, we just need better we- better weather right now, <laughs> um, and I I really enjoy using it, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it as well, and and or, or do enjoy it, or will now discover it and the features that are in there that will be useful to them. Um, I even, I think even uh, the polar alignment routine right there that's worth that's worth more than seventeen dollars in my opinion. What I think is cool, and I think our listeners can appreciate, is uh, where SharpCap started, and that Robin was in the backyard imaging himself and wanted to uh, make things better, uh, so he could use it for himself. And I think everyone can kind of relate with with where he's coming from there. So I found that pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Steve and Trevor. I must say that I, I've tried putting in a clear by skies button into SharpCap in the past, but it's never worked properly. I'm, I'm waiting sorry. for that feature. Yeah, yeah, I still can't get it to work. I don't know why. Uh, keep trying. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, Robin, yeah, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, download uh, SharpCap, the uh, the website again, that they can go is sharpcap.co.uk. Is that correct? That's absolutely right, yes. Okay, and you can download the software there and you, you offer a few other utilities as well that people can uh, check out um, and get uh, get themselves imaging uh, quicker and the quality of their images will uh, I think will improve because they'll be spending more time imaging than they will will be setting up so I I, uh, um, I think this has been a, a great great talk so thank you thank you for your time thank you very much guys everybody thanks, thanks again for listening um, tell your friends, tell them to hit, uh, click subscribe, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Clear skies, everyone. Clear skies. Clear skies.